All right, welcome to uh, Sunday morning Sunday school class, Father's Day. And uh, I think it's the 20th. It might be the first day of summer, too. Is it? Or is it tomorrow? Yeah, but doesn't sometimes it happen on half of the way through today? 20 and a half? Because there's all the weird things that make it leap years and all that? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Either way, almost summer. Anyways, and how many of you are done with school? All right. Kind of. You're the one like not, you're, you're not yet? Oh, you are. Yeah. Kind of. Man. My kids still have three days left, so. And Amy's got five days left. Yeah. All right, so let's get started. Um, I'll talk a little bit about Father's Day here. My grandfather, and some of the things that I learned from him, some of the things I watched, he was a unique guy, a strange guy sometimes. Um, and the point here is whether or not you have a fantastic father, or whether or not you have somebody in your life that's a, a leader or a father figure or whatever it is, um, or you're going to be a father someday. One of, the, one of those things. The idea is that you need to think about things. Father's Day is a good day to take stock of who you are, what you're going to be, what you want to be, okay? And we're going to talk a little bit about taking stock and trying a couple of things to notice, all right, when you're a father. So my grandfather, one of the things I learned from him about was the value of prayer. Now, he didn't, I think, when he was a lot younger. I don't think he was as intense of a man of prayer until he grew older and he had habits and things. And then I learned, oftentimes when he had more time, he would pray uh, sometimes for a long time each day, okay? He would spend his time actually uh, sometimes not eating or not drinking for a while, sometimes a couple days, and to spend more time, so it's called fasting, okay? So he, he understood as time went on in his life that prayer was the most important thing. Now, my grandfather was not great with kids, but he understood this, that kids are a really important part of any church. So instead of going to help when they had, I think they had Awana groups at his church. Instead of going to help, he went to the back room when they were having their Awana group. When all the kids were running around crazy and doing things, he went to a back room by himself and he prayed for the kids. It's a unique thing thought to say, well, I'm not necessarily doing that, but it's important that I spend the time having prayer, okay? My father has always been steady and solid, as long as I remember. Not much has changed about him, except the color of his hair, okay? <laughs> Used to be bright red. That's when I remember him. It's not anymore, okay? And that happens to all of us, no matter what. Eventually, your beautiful, youthful hair either falls out or changes color, okay? 
Hopefully for you ladies, it doesn't fall out. All right. But either way, that's, that's the idea is he has been steady and he has fought to serve the Lord for years and years and years. Okay. Whether or not everybody has always agreed with him or not, he has been steady in what he has done. Okay. And there are many, many ministers who minister to churches out there that think once they've gotten in three or four years in a church, they kind of ran out of stuff to do and say, so they should move on to another church. And it's not a problem to move on, but steadiness is one thing that creates longevity in churches. And now my father's been here since 1989, right? So in 2019, that was, what, 30 years. So he's now been here for more than 30 years and doing that consistent, steady work, okay? So I've had the privilege of having that in my life, a couple of people to look up to, okay? My grandfather and my father being two of them. Now, there are others that I have learned other things from, other men in my life that I have learned from. Now, here's the reality about every dad and every leader in fact every dad has shortcomings there are pe- there's not a person out there who is a perfect father or a perfect leader or a perfect man out there so what does it mean well there's a couple things that, that you want a leader, okay, to do. We're going to look at a story today, a, a little bit of a unique story about King David. I like this story and I hate this story at the same time, okay? It's a terrible story and it's a wonderful story. King David had been a fabulous leader. But not always. Sometimes he messed up. You know the famous thing that he messed up with with Bathsheba, okay? And then he ended up trying to cover up his sin with Bathsheba, and he killed her husband. But there's other things that happened that we know about, and other things probably that we don't know about in David's life. So we're going to look at one of those things tonight. But one of the major things that we that we want to look for in a father or a leader or somebody is this that they recognize this main point turn to Ephesians chapter 6 this is a big point what do they see in life what does a good father see in life Ephesians chapter 6 Verse number 12, this is important. This is really important right now in today's age because I think the battle that we see is really raging. All right? So Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12. Nice and loud, please. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Okay? This is the main thing that you need to understand about this life. When you grow up in this life, you will see and feel and understand things through your senses. OK? 
okay? You can walk outside. How many of you know what a lilac smells like? Okay. Can you tell me what a lilac smells like? Purple. <laughs> it smells like purple. All right. <laughs> it's kind of like sweet baby powder, kind of. Like, no. like baby powder. <laughs> How about a strawberry? Everybody's tasted a strawberry out there, okay? Yeah. Tell me what a strawberry tastes like. Red. <laughs> it can't taste like colors. Colors are colors. They're not. Do you taste colors? Uh, do you taste colors? Maybe I do. Maybe you do, and maybe you don't. <laughs> All right. The whole thing is this: you use your senses, and you learn to identify things by your senses. Okay. First. As a baby, what sense do you first do you first get? Crying. Crying. <laughs> well, what sense? What sense is the probably the most keen to begin with? Before sight. You're hearing, right? You're hearing. You can hear when you're still in your in the womb. You can actually still you can hear. Babies can actually hear what's going on and recognize voices well before they see. Now they can see some light, okay? Because actually a baby for a little while can't focus much further than a very short distance away, like a foot away. And then as they grow and their eyes, uh, their actual, they kind of focus and, and change, not that they grow, but they change your eyeballs and they begin to come into focus and they can see further and further away. And then you get older and you can see less further but the idea is this, you learn very first with your senses. You learn what you like to taste when you start feeding babies things, okay? At first they eat everything just because it's something to eat. And then after a while, what do they do with the smushed peas? Because there's something else that tastes better, right? They learn to taste things. You learn to experience the world through your five senses. Right? Whether they taste and sight and smell and touch and hear. Right? So that's the world as you know it for a while. But then there are other things that you begin to learn about. And you learn to get a little deeper within yourself. Recognize things are funny. Okay? And you recognize other people's personalities and things like that. And you have to kind of hone that. You learn about friends. You learn about people that aren't so friendly. Okay? You learn to look at the world in that way. Then there's something else that not everybody learns. But there are people that learn this. And this is what's important about a leader. They understand that there are spiritual things going on in other places. Maybe this realm but definitely in the realm wrapped around us that's not bound by space and time. There are beings out there, good beings and malign beings, or beings that mean evil towards you, mean bad things towards you, okay? They are out there. And what is going on with them is that they are interacting with you and you don't even necessarily recognize it. So someone <clears throat> that has a good leader, is a good leader, is 
might be a father in your life or might be just a person who's a leader in your life, might be a good example, somebody that's kind of a, um, uh, just a leader that you look up to, okay? That type of person sees, a good person sees spiritual battles and wars that are going on. They see that there's value in spiritual things. If you don't recognize this in life, or your leaders don't recognize this in life, you are going to miss a whole lot of what life is really about. This is what Paul is saying, okay, when he says Ephesians, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You think that your life is bound all up in the physical things you do see, taste, touch, smell, okay? And there is a lot of that. Or the things even that you think, and there's quite a bit of that, but there's something more happening. There's something deeper happening, and you have to train yourself and help you to see what's going on, all right? So David is this leader, and he's going to kind of miss this this time. We're going to see the story. Let's go to 1 Chronicles chapter number 21 as we see this story of David and what happens. 1 Chronicles chapter number 21. Chapter 21, yep. 1 Chronicles chapter 21, the very first verse, nice and loud please. Alright, this is a little different of a story. This is David, right? He's a father. He is a leader, not only of his family, but of an entire nation. David's supposed to have this sight, this spiritual insight. He's supposed to see this. Now we see on this side, the story is told in the very first verse, what happens? There's multiple things going on. What's happening? Right, so there's a spiritual malign force, someone that means him evil, and Satan's identified in it and says, we're going to stand up, we're going to fight against Israel. Now, he's not going to go out with weapons of war. He's not going to go out with a battle axe or a sword. He's going to fight in your battlefield, which happens in your mind. That's where much of your battle happens in your life, all right? The battlefield of your mind is where he fights, and so he looks, and what does he do? How does he start to win that battle? Does he go out and turn everybody in Israel? You have to look at first. See what he's doing. What's provoked mean? Yep, and they go up and I poke you, right? And I keep poking you until, what am I looking for? 
a reaction. I'm looking for you to react. And so Satan is going to David, and he's poking him and pricking him. Now, not physically. He's not saying, ouch. Something in his mind has started to struggle, to battle. And does David see what it is? What's he want him to do? Number Israel. So what, right? That's like a census. We do them all the time in our country. What's wrong with it? Okay, so to get trust is a bad in the numbers themselves and not God is a bad thing. So if we skip on to verse number two. Let's see, two, three, and four. Read those, please. And David said to Joab, to the people from number Israel, from Beersheba, even to Dan, and bring the number of them to me as I may And Jacob, jo- Joab answered, The Lord make his people answer a hundred times so many more as they be, but my Lord the king, are they not? All right, so Joab, his most trusted advisor, says, don't do it. You've got so many people. God, will bless you. God has blessed you all the way through till now. So there was a trust issue with David, somehow with God. Is it wrong to count things? No. Don't take that from this. It was wrong at that time for David to count the people. There are other times when God says, go count the people. Okay, But at this time, it was wrong for David, whatever was going on. And that's the key behind it. David is having a war in his mind. No one sees it. Maybe Joab gets a little bit of a sneak preview of what David's really thinking about. Maybe a comment came out of David or something where he says, uh, I don't think you should do this, David. You're going to do this with the wrong mindset. You're not really trusting that God will just take care of it. He always has. So just trust him. All right? And instead, David says, nope, I'm going to do what I want to do. Right then and there is where David fell and didn't recognize the battle. He did not see the, own, his, the battle in his own life. And that is what is difficult about trying to be a leader. Whether you're a leader of a family or a leader of something bigger than a family, okay? It is difficult to keep your eyes on something spiritual, okay? And you need to. Because here's David saying, I'm going to do this. It's a thing that pops into his mind. It may have been innocent at the beginning, Whatever the battle was, whatever the decision was, once he made the decision, he lost the battle already. Because then, no one was going to tell him wrong. 
right? At that point, he wasn't listening. He was stubborn. Nobody in here ever would be stubborn. I know that because you all are so flexible. and You never fight against anybody else once they tell you something, right? This is, this is the part that we struggle with as humans. And David did the same thing because he doesn't want to hear it. Once he's made his mind up, he's right, and no one else is. That's a dangerous place to be in, okay? Unless if you know this is from God, and God told you to do this, then stick to it and be consistent. But if you are, if somebody says, God might not like that, and you say, eh, I'm doing it anyways. Out he sends Joab. And he goes, and it takes some time to go through all the towns of Israel. When he finally comes back, he's got a number. And he gives him the number right away. Verse number 7 and 8, what's his reaction? something. We don't know exactly what to Israel. And David realizes his mistake. Now that's good. Right? He missed the whole thing. This all was supposed to be something he was catching along the way saying, hey, there is a battle out there. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I should step back for a minute before I demand that I go through with this thing. Maybe I should think about this again. But instead he said, I told you to do it. You do it. And then as, he's, as they're out counting the people, somehow God gets across a message to David. And David all of a sudden realizes, I messed up big time. I was so stubborn I wouldn't listen. And when you're so stubborn you won't listen, you will fall again and again and again. I've been there myself. Things that I want to battle with in my life and get rid of in my life, but I find there's a stubborn piece of me that won't let go. That's where I fall again and again. All right? Being stubborn is not a virtue. You can be tenacious at things, but God allows the good side of things to happen on your own. Being stubborn is not so good. Okay? tends to hurt people. And here's David being stubborn as a leader steps out and he really messes up. So he repents. Now what's God going to do? Verse 9 through 14 read this please. Israel. Now therefore, if I myself won't worry about the 
And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let me fall now into the hand of the Lord. For very great are his mercies, but let me not fall into the hand of man. All right, so here is the consequences. You choose, David. You messed up. You were stubborn. You get to choose. Now, God doesn't give this opportunity to people ever, basically, where you choose what's going to happen. But he is now testing David again, saying, what is it that you're going to do? Do you see what's going on behind the scenes. David, you need to see. You need to take special care to pay attention to those who you care for. Those who are under your charge. So, if you're going to be a father someday, how are you going to protect your children? If you are looking for someone that is going to be uh, a father someday that you're going to marry, how does that person protect your children? Does he have the ability to see these things? Is he stubborn? Okay? Is he, because when you make those choices and you get stubborn about things, consequences come. So David's consequences are real. So he's got three, he can either go three years or three months or three days. Okay? And you say, well, he picked the shortest one. That's not necessarily why he picked it. Your three years were three years of famine. So what's going to happen to people in three years of famine? No food. Who's going to die? You don't know, right? That's the answer. You don't know. But famine is famine. It just hits everybody. Right? Everybody is affected by But probably not King David. Or he could go three months where his enemies come, and who's going to die when the enemies come? Don't know. Is it going to be the right, righteous people? Is he only going to kill the bad people in Israel? Nope. The enemies are going to come along and wipe out whomever. They don't care. They're your enemy. They're going to choose things on what they think is going to happen. And then he says, out three days with God, I will send a pestilence, a disease, a killing disease, essentially. And David says, Maybe you'll find mercy on us. So I choose you. I don't choose to be under the hands of my enemies or under a famine where it might hit everybody. But I choose to let God decide my fate. And so, in three days, 70,000 people died. Because David wanted to count pretty high cost. Clearly, David probably knew what he do, was doing was wrong at the moment he was doing it. And that's what happens 
when you're set to be protecting people, when you make those choices, your choices affect the people around you. If you say, I'm going to abandon my family, it affects your family forever. If you say, I'm going to do what I want to do and I don't care about my family, it's going to affect your family forever. All right? If you're a leader somewhere over some group and you make a choice, it will affect your family. All right? I had a job once. Um, my boss gave me two or three really, really difficult jobs. And I had to lean heavily on my staff to be able to get them done. And I had not learned this lesson until I went through this. My staff, though they did the jobs, it was probably a three-year-long battle that we went through to try and do this job. And they got verbally pounded on because the jobs were difficult, no one else could get them done. We finally came up with solutions and worked through them, but not without consequence. The people had lost their strength to go on at that point because I said yes to these difficult jobs. Probably with more concern for what I had to do than what they had to do. And so you have to realize things will affect those people around you when you make those decisions. All right? They affect people around you. So David gets affected. The people all around him get affected. 70,000 people die in three days. And there's David, the man who called for it, still sitting there. Just fine. Verse number 17, David said unto God, Is it not that I commanded the people to be numbered? Even it is, even it is that, I, that have sinned and done evil indeed, for as these sheep, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray thee, O Lord, be on me and on my father's house, but not on thy people, that they should be plagued. And then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and set an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan in Jebusite. And David went up to, uh, at the saying of Gad, which he spake in the name of the Lord. All right? Now he's got he's to kind of ante up. Say, don't touch these people anymore. It's my fault. I'm the one who told them. And yet, you find when you are a father or a leader, even things that are your fault and you should have consequences for, your family pays. That's how sin is. It goes and it affects people all around you for the rest of their lives, oftentimes. So be aware of what you're doing, what you're thinking about. Be aware... Pray for your fathers, the people around you, your leaders, your pastors, things like that, because the things they decide affect us all. Right? Think about those things. Now, what does David do? David goes back and he 
worships God, he does a sacrifice and asks for forgiveness, personal forgiveness and help, and God stops right there. All of the things that are going on, he stops it. David learned a lesson, a hard lesson, and it was, and it was that he would live with guilt, that he insisted he had to do what he wanted to do, and all those people paid for it. All those families paid for it. Okay? It was a harsh thing, really, that happened to David. But that is oftentimes the consequence of what we do. It affects other people. So think about that uh, on this Father's Day. Even imperfect dads, okay, which David was one very imperfect, and yet he was a great, great man of God. God loved him dearly and said so about him. But they all have shortcomings. Everybody has shortcomings. David had shortcomings. He needs help. He needs forgiveness. But he has learned to pursue God. Even after he falls down, he gets back up out of the dust, wipes himself off, asks for forgiveness, and, and goes back. Okay? That is one of the biggest things to learn, to watch for what's happening, be aware of the outside battles that are happening in this life, and to get back up and keep going, pursuing God. That's what a good father does, okay? The, realizes the battle is real and gets up and fights it, all that he can, all right? So take that perspective of that person who says, I've got to make sure what's going on that I'm not just making decisions for myself, but making them for other people. That's one big thing to think about, all right? And pray for the men in your life. They need it, all right? Remember those things on Father's Day. Thank you very much. Have a good day.